0: Same uh, red jacket that I did in the photo. <laughs> <laughs> I do that in photo we'll, like, we'll have a banquet tonight too. It's the start of banquet season. So you just have to, and we have two red things, not total, but two red jacket things.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, Justine, my name Alex Ricciuti. I use he, him, his pronouns. And I'm the Career Ambassador Coordinator. So I'll be guest hosting today on Wolfpack Career Chats. So if we wanted to start off today, if you give us your 60 second elevator pitch and introduce yourself to us.
0: Absolutely. Uh, My name is Justine. I work in the Division of Academic and Student Affairs and have, for 24 years, um, actually in the old Student Affairs and now in what we call DASA, Division of Academic and Student Affairs, Uh, haven't done the same thing for 24 years, so don't think that that's how it works. I have done a few different jobs, started in housing, uh, ran the east side of campus, Quad Triad, Watauga, North. Any housing folks in the room? used to be Uh, and then I was the director of the GLBT Center when we first opened the center in 2008 and did that for six years and then have been in my current role with different iterations uh, for almost five years now in working in DASA as a chief of staff and assistant vice chancellor so I have uh, work at three different institutions, University of Maryland, Ball State, and here, so all large publics. Uh, no private school experience and that's not going to happen because I'm on the downhill side to retirement. Uh, so for some of you, that that may seem really far away, but the next thing you know, you turn 50 and you could retire in five or six years, so that's pretty cool. And I volunteer with an EMS agency, Care EMS, so I have um, a background is being a paramedic, and EMT. I don't work on a truck anymore because the 50-year-old body says you can't work 36 hours uh, continuously, so I don't do that anymore. Have a love for sports, uh, watching sports more so than playing sports anymore, so again that 50-year-old body. So I try to stay physically active but am um, not always crouching down as a catcher in softball, which is what I played in high school. Um, but love music, uh, love engaging with people, getting involved, have done a number of different boards. I uh, was on the board for the LGBT Center of Raleigh, uh, which is in downtown. The Lighthouse Project, which is Barcat, uh, Barkat, uh, one of the brothers of Dia Barcat, who's one of the three Muslim students that was murdered uh, four years ago and currently serve on our board at Cary Area EMS. So service, volunteering, uh, getting involved, all those things are very important as part of who I am. My strengths, arranger, responsibility, I had to double check, developer, self-assuredness, and connectedness. So those are my strengths in order, because Marcy asked me, and I couldn't remember the order, so I had to double-check those. Um, To me, they're all strengths, and I utilize all of them in different ways. Uh, The order, to me, isn't as important as what they are.
1: Fantastic. So I want to talk a little bit more about your EMS experience. So you saw Mm -hmm. earlier today we're talking about critical thinking and problem-solving. Yes. And I know you use that quite a bit in your job. So if you could talk to the students on what strategies you employ using those skills Mm -hmm. in your everyday job.
0: So, with EMS, it it was a, a great uh, kind of deviation from what I did every day in working high, higher education. So I've only ever worked in higher ed. Once you also t- turn 50, then you have the glasses and you have to carry them around with you all the time. So I can't see you with the glasses on because you're far away, but up close I need the glasses. So then they call them progressive lenses. So. It's just one of those things. Uh, so it was, a, it was a great way for me to just kind of shut off what I was doing every day here. Um, and in EMS, uh, how many of you have ever um, EMS, please fire, EMS, any experience, awareness of, maybe family, a couple of folks? So it very much uses that critical thinking all the time. So you you can't wait to decide, like, do I think this person is sick or hurt? Um, And what if they're not breathing or don't have a pulse, and I'm just going to sit around and wait to try to decide what to do. So using that, using your knowledge, making decisions, acting on that, um, thinking through a problem, and having to to be able to problem solve. So for me, it was great. People call 911. Most people in the United States don't actually need 911, when they call it, but because we're privileged, um, as a country, and you know, we could unpack privilege all day long, but as a country, we're, we're privileged when it comes to health care. Not everybody has access in the same levels, but when you look across the world, um, we have privilege as it relates to health care. Even if you don't have health insurance, you have options to go to um, and places that will take you and help you whether you can pay or not, versus other countries that that's simply not the case. So when you look at that dynamic of equity, equality, what does that look like? We certainly have privilege as a country. So most people that call 911 don't actually need it, stump toes, I've been sick for four days but now at three o'clock in the morning I really am sick and want you to take me to the hospital. We have this notion in our society that if you call 911 and you go by EMS you'll get seen faster in an ER, that's not necessarily true, we triage everything. Uh, So, it may be that I just drive you to the hospital and drop you off at the waiting room, or you could have driven yourself there, So, but you have to be able to immediately assess when you walk in, sick, not sick. That's the basic question that you have to answer. If the person is sick, then how do I solve that problem? What do they need? How do I do that? So, for me, it was great because I would spend all day here working in higher ed more complex problems, ongoing problems, same problem day after day, versus I'm gonna go respond to these calls, it's very short, so 20 minutes, you're in, you're out, you drop them off at the ER, you go on to the next person. So it was an easy way for me to shut off and just do what I love doing, and and that's solving problems. So that critical thinking piece. Um, For me here on campus, I, in that think and do equation that we use, think and do the extraordinary, that's what we tell you all, that you're going to do extraordinary things, and you will, um, I'm the do part. So, I spend probably less time thinking, so I very quickly gather that information and make a decision, solve the problem, move on. That's, that's like my ideal world. Uh, you, you know take that in you need something what is it how can I help you it's either yes or no I'm not a black and white person but most often things are yes or no sometimes there's a maybe in there maybe a little gray area but most often it's yes no what can we do how do we do it be efficient and move on so critical that you have got to be able to do that. As young people, so you 're all younger than me, so I can call you young you 're not kids you 're not children, but you are young people, um, young adults that you are going to have to be able to demonstrate that at least for me so, so how many of you want to get a job when you graduate? You should all say yes right, or go to graduate school <laughs> be the wrong class if you said no right in um, career readiness so When you go someplace to work, the young woman who's talking about going to the Department of Justice, congratulations. So you're probably going to be working for someone like me, a Gen X. I'm right on the Gen X baby boomer cusp. I have traits of both, probably more Gen X than baby boomer. So you're going to be working for someone like me. My expectations are different. Now I'm uh, uh, probably the exception as opposed to the rule with my generation that I work in higher ed, so I've had to kind of keep up with the time, so I know what the Snapchat is. Um, where, <laughs> it was the Facebook, right, now it's just Facebook. So I know what the Snapchat is, I know how to do it. Um, it's not an efficient means of communication for me, but I know how to do it. Um, there's just too much it, when, when it comes to that. but. You're going to be working for someone like me, so my expectations are different. My work ethic is different. How I view work and and what that looks like is different. So I may have an expectation of you that you don't have of yourself because it's a generational difference. At the end of the day, who wins between the boss and the employee? Boss, Boss, right. So you have to think about that. You may, may not be excited about it, you may not agree, but at the end of the day, the boss wins. Someday, you're all going to be bosses. I'll be gone. So th- that's when you get to be in charge, right? And it'll be a whole new thing because you're a different generation. Did that answer your question, Alex? That was Ab- a lot. Yeah,
1: absolutely, <laughs> thank you. So what would you recommend for the young people in the audience, myself included, in terms of what you wish you had known when you entered the workforce? So what, hmm. what gaps did you have that you didn't realize you had when you walked on your first job?
0: So a huge gap, again generational, was technology. So, when I went to, so I was just, had a conversation this morning when I went to college, my undergraduate degree, which I guess I should have told you that in my elevator pitch, sorry, Uh, went to Slippery Rock University, small state school in western Pennsylvania. It is a real place, by the way, known for education, Um, and my degree was uh, communications with an emphasis in public relations. That looks very different now than it did then. Uh, there were. I did all my papers on a typewriter, a Brother 3 typewriter, so I, this little tiny screen where you type, you're like, oop, wrong letter, and you could go back before it was you know, drastic and uh, auto-correct it. Mimeo machines, how many of you know what a mimeo machine is? So it's this round tube, maybe Marcy and I are the only ones, I don't know, it's this round drum. And you had a paper that was like carbon paper, it was old version of carbon paper. it was purple and you could draw you could write on it so that 's how we did our flyers as student leaders for you know a program that we were doing an r a you would actually write on it or you could type with a typewriter, which was really awkward. And then you would put it on this machine and you would rotate the drum and it would pull the paper out and it would use the kind of the purple carbon uh, to make your flyers so they would all look purple. Um so that's how we we did communication. That was Facebook back in the 80s. Uh when I went to college, uh like I said I used a typewriter when I went to graduate school where I went to University of Maryland, College Park. I had the one of the first computers made by Radio Shack, uh, a Tandy Vic 20. So with a dot matrix printer, ee, you know, back and forth with the perforated holes on the sides. Um and it like that was amazing. The first computer class I ever took was card punch. So you could just google that and see how painful that was as a class. So, you know, coding looks very different at that point so that was a huge deficit that but for us you just didn't know what you didn't know it's not like we pined away for a cell phone or a computer because we didn't have it so you don't know what you don't have and aren't gonna miss it Um, the generational difference so that's always gonna be a a challenge Uh, so at that point I was for sure working for baby boomers um, uh, as as a grad student and my first job out um, at Ball State University. So for me, I, I wish I would have had that access to technology, uh, only because I think it would help advance quicker and I also because it helps you learn more. Back then, if you wanted to know something, you had to go to the library and actually get the book out. So there was no internet, no Google. Uh, so doing papers and research and things was very different. Uh, so for me, I wish I would have done that more. And I've always loved to read, but the challenge is it was a lot harder then, you had to actually go get the book. Uh, So I trained myself that way and I never thought I would go to an e-reader, because I said, no, the book, you got to have the book and open up the book. And now I I have a a nook and that's how I read my books. The great part is you can read multiple books at the same time so I can rotate through and read different things uh, throughout the week. So those are two probably the biggest things, and uh, neither of which I could control or you can control. Uh, you all were born with phones and technology, so you're, how things uh, look are different for you. Awesome,
1: so you talk a lot about the generational gap. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend, since you have the ability to bridge that working with college students on a daily basis, what would you recommend for these individuals on how to navigate those, those differences?
0: So the workplace, is changing technology is very much a part of that and it can it's a double-edged sword right like you you so we went to in in one of the things i i printed off which i can send this to marcy to give to you the um eab which is a national organization they today's one of articles was on five ways your office will change by 2030 so this will impact you more than it will impact me Um, The workplace will see greater inclusion and diversity, and we'll probably talk about that later. Um, Communication skills gap will widen. Uh, So for you all, when you're in the workspace, now you might be a little different because you're career ambassadors, but when you look at traditional workspaces, you walk down the hall, everyone's got headphones on because you want noise-canceling headphones. So we've put you in open spaces because we think that's collaborative, and you immediately put your headphones on. And if you have a question of Alex, you text him. So that's different. So I, I think, you know, we're going to have to address that piece. And then employees will need to constantly upskill. So that's a, a big piece for you all. And I'm your boss as a, a Gen X and I have expectations of you. That you're like, well, gosh, I didn't learn this in college. What, that darn NC State, this degree's not helpful to me. You're going to have to learn things that you may not have learned in a class. So we can only teach you, but so much, and you can only pay attention, but so much. And the rest is life skills. Like I, I can't tell you much about the classes I took in college. Now keep in mind, my, it's a, quite a distance from from the time I went to college in the 80s. Most of what you're gonna learn is life, right? Common sense, that critical thinking. So we hope that that 30,000 foot view for you is what you take away and you're able to, to kind of put into practice in the workplace. And the last one is workplaces will be redesigned. Somebody in my generation thought the open workspaces were gonna be collaborative and great and they're not. Um, And even people in my generation don't like them. My wife works at a um, a pharmaceutical uh, company out in near Briar Creek. And they have all these huge open workspaces and she hates it, she doesn't want to sit out there, your generation doesn't want to sit out there, no one wants to sit out there. So they, you know, it's like everybody is like, I'm gonna sit at this cube and put my headphones on. And she does the same exact thing. So we're gonna to have to rethink that. And that I think will come from you all. Like what works best? How are we gonna communicate with one another? But I think the key piece is communicating. So you're, I'm gonna have expectations of you. And you may be like, Justine, I don't, I don't understand. And this isn't working for me. Could we try this? So not being completely resistant and saying, no, I don't wanna do that. Because at the end of the day, so I'll, I'll use um, EMS as an example. So we, our main primary focus is to respond to 911 calls, but the, we still have to clean the building that we live in, So because when we're there, we're there for 12 to 24 hours at a time. So there's no magic housekeeping staff, that's us and so someone has to take out the trash mop the floor and clean the bathroom so if you just walk in and you're like no that's beneath me and I don't want to do that I'm just here to do this this is what you hired me for remember that most jobs are going to be other duties as assigned so someone has to take out the trash and when you when you're in a relationship and you have a house and 2.4 children and two dogs and the white picket fence guess what someone has to clean the house and take out the trash so offering suggestions being collaborative and being willing to do things that are out of your comfort zone so those w- would be things and it's a two-way street like i you know i i hope that most people that are going to be your bosses aren't at the place where i'm just going to tell you to do this and we're not going to collaborate on that but know that there are some work environments that's just the way it is remember at the end of the day the boss is the boss and you may have to decide what what that looks like for you the other piece is you So I I told you I've worked here for 24 years. That probably won't be the case for most of you. You won't work someplace, the same place for 24 years. And and that's okay, that's just how it's gonna be moving forward with Millennials, Gen Z, and whatever the next generation is beyond. I think about my dad, he worked in the same machine shop for 32 years. So his whole life, he went from the high school to the Navy to this machine shop and then I'll work here for 30 years so I plan to stay till I can retire which is 30 years of service may seek out another year or two but that won't be the case for your generation and my generation we have to be okay with that I can't expect that you're gonna come and work someplace and stay there for for 10 15 20 years so that that is going to be a difference as well and but for you to figure out how can you contribute in the amount of time that you're there so that that we feel like it's meaningful for you and that as the company or the business or organization, we're, we're getting good use out of the workforce.
1: Awesome. So the, one, the last question I have for you goes back to what you were talking about with the e-reader earlier. Mm-hmm. Is there a book that you believe everyone in this audience should read at some point in their life?
0: Well, there's lots of books, but the one book that is prob- that has stuck with me since I read it in the paperback form, so I have not uh, one of the old school things is called *The Power of One* by Bryce Courtenay, and it's B-R-Y-C-E, and Courtenay is C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y. <clears throat> so it's 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 kind of a time period. It's fictional, but it it's the time period is the late 30s into the 50s in South Africa. So apartheid was really just becoming in existence so it's not a whole focus on apartheid because that was really just a piece of what was going on in history but how a person can have that internal power and drive to survive. Um, The central character is is a young boy and his coming of life how he's bullied, um, how he survives that, how he grows into being a man and how he deals with adversity and being excluded so it for me it, it just so many themes that come out of that cultural differences um, which at the time when I read it was was back in the in it had just come out I think in 91 late 80s early 90s the book came out and so I read it in the mid 90s when I was working in Indiana at Ball State University and it was just powerful for me uh, not to use the one of the words in the title, but it was powerful for me in thinking about diversity, inclusion, which we weren't really talking about back in the 90s and, um, and how somebody who could survive, particularly at that time in South Africa during apartheid and dealing with, with those things from a historical perspective even know, knowing it was fiction. So it was, it's a great book and it has stuck with me all through my adult life uh, a, as one of the things that's had an impact. But I'm more of a fiction reader, so I, I read articles. Um, I don't print them out usually, so I'm a sustainable person. I printed it for here. Um, so I do try to, to, to have some good habits when it comes to that. Um, but I read more fiction just because it, it's a release and I don't have to think um about it so i i try to walk every morning two miles on the treadmill so i read a book and it's usually just a fiction book mindless reading it's not love romance novels for sure but uh more murder mystery adventure stuff um some sci-fi things but if i'm going to watch mindless television or read something i truly want it to be mindless so it's that break (laughs) You know, so I, I love cop shows, so I watch those on TV because I don't have to think because I spend all day long thinking and having to problem solve, whether it's in my work life here, my EMS life, personal life, you know, people, my sister will call, she's got this problem. I'm like, God, why? I just want to sit and watch, you know, Blue Bloods and not have to be like, oh, wow, that's real sad and just move on. Like, I don't have to think about it or remember it. And um, so that's why the reading is more fictional um, for you all. You, you probably yearn for the day you can just do pleasure fictional reading versus having to read for school. And um, but I do try to, to stay current with things, whether it's critical events, emergency response, that type of stuff too.
1: Fantastic! Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, yeah, we have a few questions. Go, Christy first. Uh, I- Hello, Christy. <laughs> Um, So you talked about how supervisors in your generation like know that people, young people in our generation um, tend to move on from jobs pretty swiftly in comparison um, and have a lot of career changes. So (laughs) what would you do if you're in, what would you recommend to us if you're in a scenario where you had someone in your leadership telling you that they know that you're going to be with tears in
0: the position but you have to work there for a few years. Like they, they keep addressing that you're gonna move on, but like you're trying
1: to make it good while you're there. Mm-hmm. So just to restate the question. Mm-hmm. So just to make sure we understand, you're asking when your supervisor doesn't, w- realizes that you're not going to be fulfilled but knows that it's part of your obligation to work there. Yeah.
0: Well that's a short-sighted person and somebody who's not as engaged or as knowledgeable about how to engage you. And there are going to be those people everywhere. So I think reassuring that person, like, no, no, I'm, I understand and I'm happy. I want to get the most out of this. I want to contribute. Um, you can only say that so many times. And then finding ways that you can make meaning out of it. Right, like you're you're going to be in some you're going to have to do some things that are mindless, counting the paper clips, you know, putting the boxes together, unpacking something. You know, you might go to work at the justice department and they've got you doing filing for three weeks. Why? Because the filing needs to be done. So how do you you know how do you get something out of that? Look at the files as you're filing them, and is there something that you can learn, or to say, hey, I'm going to do this, but can I? Is there something else I can also help you with? Um, I think some people in my generation assume that you're all lazy and that you don't want to work and that you're just there to, you know, kind of as a stepping stone to go to whatever that next position is. That's unfortunate as well. I, I do my best to try to educate my people. So um, as an example, our chief at Care EMS, uh, so I've been there for 23 years. And uh, so he's been with us for 11 or 12 years now. and. And we have some folks that have been with the agency for a long time and then we're kind of a feeder program we have a lot of nc state students who are pre-med pre-dental that want to get experience and work in ems before they apply to maybe go to a nursing school pa school whatever it is and he was just frustrated that you know people were coming stand for one or two years we invest so much time and energy and then they leave i'm like yes that's the generational difference so i think part of it is helping People like me have to educate my peers and saying, you know, look, this is how it is now. Like, you know, it's not the old days. You know, we're not still in the 80s, so move along. But I think just showing, you know, reaching out and saying, you know, hey, I'd love to do something extra. You know, I enjoy being here. Uh, You know, how can I be helpful? And you hope that that person comes along and does some of their own self-education. You can't always count on it. Sometimes you have to survive it. And they're still—they're just going to be those people. Um, and are there some people who are millennials and Gen Z who are just going to scan the system and be lazy and go to work and keep looking at their watch to see when it's 4:59? Sure. But there's also some people in my generation that do the very same thing. So you know, I try not to get too tied up in it. Um, but it's important. Knowing's half the battle, so I say. Does that help? Keep trying. Yeah. Kind of like a more fun question, so
1: since you've been at NC State for 24 years, mm-hmm. what's been like your, and you said you like sports, what's been like your favorite NC State
0: athletic kind of memory? Oh, favorite moment. Oh, favorite moment. Well, okay, so I'm, I'm going to have two favorite moments. One's not sports, I guess kind of, sort of. Um, <laughs> so I wasn't here in the 80s the last time we won the national championship. Uh, in men's, like men's basketball isn't the end all to be all, right? Um But probably one of the coolest things I ever saw that was also one of the most unsafe things uh, was when we beat Florida State um, in football on a Thursday night and those students tore that goalpost down and they got it out of Carter Finley and down to Hillsborough Street I, don't know. I mean it was like watching this group of ants like, like tearing it down and then it's like and that was before it was completely enclosed so there was a just the, the, what would be the south end zone was just the grass open area and they were like up it was like this like whole group of ants the whole goalpost. so uh yeah and then athletics was like that's a bad idea (laughs) someone could get hurt yes so that's now why you see all across the country football like when we know you're going to rush the field like we kind of know when that's going to happen And so just so you know, we kind of allow it to happen, but it's like a controlled burn. Um, So I can tell you all this when, because eventually you'll graduate and you won't remember. But uh, so when you see at the end of a game, if it's a big game and we're winning and we know that could happen, watch the like all the way around the stadium, particularly near the student sections, where you'll see uh, police and security go down. Like we don't have enough police and security in the football stadium to stop that from happening but we visually want you to think that. So they like go down like one at a time, so it looks like there's hundreds of them, and there's like 40, um, and they're carrying you know the zip ties, whatever. We want it to be safe for people. We want people to have fun. That's part of the experience. But now all across the country, goal. Po- I forgot this is recorded, so uh, <laughs> uh, so the goalposts fold down, but you're not going to detach them, and they have the padding all the way around them, so they'll they'll fold if they have to. They'll fold them down so you can't steal them. But that was a pretty cool night, um, and I was like, "Dang, someone's going to get hurt," uh, and and was actually working medical uh, that that <laughs> night. I was like, "Well, well, once they get out to Hillsborough Street, not my problem." <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Good luck, kids. Get that. Keep going with that goalpost." <laughs> my other uh, so Packapalooza. How many of you have been to Packapalooza? So, uh, when we started pack 8 years ago, that was just supposed to be a one-and-done thing. Uh, It was a part of the university's 125th anniversary celebration uh, for our birthday. And so then it went well, and then everybody's like, well, we should just do this every year. And I was like, well, newsflash, I'm the head gay, I work in the GLBT Center, and I did this as part of a university committee I don't have time to do this every year and here I am still doing it every year it's now part of my job uh, which is a fun part of my job except for the volume of emails that have started already but it is pretty cool to stand at the Bell Tower at three o'clock in the morning watch the street get set up around one o'clock in the afternoon see the street packed with people Uh, at the end of the night see thousands of people in front of the stage regardless of who the artist is and Then at three o'clock in the morning 24 hours later see The street completely clean again, so that's a pretty cool experience, too You have to remind me of that like right now. It seems really cool. It's like from August until through September, it's not cool at all because I had to endure it. But it's a fun day. It's the biggest single event that the university does, bigger than a football game, uh, with lots of moving parts. So uh, it's a good way to give back.
1: Awesome. Well, that's all the time we have for today. What? That was quick. I know. That was 30 minutes. So thank you so much for your time, Justine. We appreciate you. Thank you you for having me.